All right, podcast number four for the week. Uh, actually, uh, Cora did an MMA unravel with me yesterday. So uh, that was uh, super good. I'll get that uploaded. I've already got the audio in iTunes. I just got to hit upload on it. Um, but uh, we did, a uh, buddy of mine, Chad, came over. We, uh, we went off on a big tangent about um, JFK visiting Fort Bragg and, like, the training program there. It was like the end of the video where I was wanting to show him this clip, but like I got a rift off on like um, my master's thesis for a while and like American military traditions and um, and that era and related to martial arts. But uh, that um, what else did we do yesterday? Oh, I did uh, I did some commentary on uh, Hicks's promotion to Red Belt. Uh, and just kind of like watch, watch the video, kind of like what we did in the podcast. Uh, yeah, that's like the most viewed podcast on YouTube. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm in the studio with Robert Regner, um, which, is that a French name? It's pronounced Regnier. Re yeah. It's from the German side of Belgium, while Belgium, Belgium and Germany weren't always, you know, Germany didn't even exist yet. Dude, have you ever heard um, Dan Carlin? And, and I mean, it's a primary source he's uh, he's talking about. But tell the story about um, a German army marching through Belgium, like marching through this Belgian village, and um, like World War One or World War Two. Um, I shortcutted World War One. I believe it was World War One actually, but I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. How, what was he describing? So well <clears throat> this is what stuck out is like they're like commenting on the dress and how nice their uniforms are and how so that's why I think it's World War One is because they were marching and they weren't in their tanks <laughs> blitzkrieging the shit out of people. But um Man, how uh, Germany smashed into Poland in World War II before invading France is fascinating. How, like, they would use their tanks to break through the lines and, like, go deep and just, like, create chaos. And then they would just kind of, it would just, just be scattered out, um, weaving around, and, and then they would have uh, the infantry come in behind them. Yeah. And when everything was scrambled up. So. Uh, but so this is World War One. I'm pretty positive. And uh, talking about the um, the Germans, like, oh, man, they're so neatly dressed in their uniforms and they're marching in tandem and just like it's just this sight to behold. I mean, but it went on for an entire day, yeah. like like literally sun up to sun down. They the German army marched through this village. And when they hit Belgium, man, listening to. Uh, some uh, also Dan Carlin on the podcast Blueprint for Armageddon. It's a big long series. It's probably like a twenty-five hour investment of your time, if not more. But damn, yep. totally worth it. You know, Hitler actually did march peacefully through quite a few lands that he perceived as, um, you know, friendly or I guess what he would call his own state. He, through cities, they wouldn't have ridden their town, uh, tanks in every time. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, dude, I, I do remember, you know, quite a few of his stories about armies that just go and go and go, bro. But Russia.
Russians, you know, people don't, Americans normally don't understand that Russians alone lost 10 million people. Oh, dude, I know, the loss of life in, like, Stalingrad and Leningrad in World War II. Here's what a a lot of people maybe don't realize, too. So, like, we we were in the other room talking about the French Revolution because we were talking about Voltaire before that, and that's what Voltaire was doing, sitting around drinking coffee commentating on social movements but uh so we're talking about the french revolution so uh post french revolution it's like you get the french revolution it goes on for a duration of time but then really you get um the era of napoleon so napoleon um uh he was in power Uh, i got off on this big tangent on the marquis de sade the other day uh, so, like, at the very end of Napoleon, uh, the Mar- Marquis de Sade's life, Napoleon was actually in power. But uh, we were um, sort of commenting on the French Revolution, and Napoleon, what sunk him at the end of his reign in France was that he invaded um, he invaded Russia. Yeah, he invaded Russia, man. In the winter. Okay, so that. And... There's another guy that did that, that had rose to power and prominence and took over much of Europe, much like Napoleon and, uh, you know, people before him had done, like uh, Alexander the Great and uh, and so on. But that person was Adolf Hitler. Like, he, he what sunk the Germans was, because you remember initially um, the Soviets were like, uh, Stalin kind of had this... Um, they kind of came up with a like a non-compete agreement, like, "Hey, and we're going to be new." Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which he had to have time, and uh, there's a lot of theories that he had his army out there. His original wave was sincerely intended to just get slaughtered, offer minimal resistance, exactly like what you said. You know, the Germans were set up to break through hedges and break. Through, basically, they didn't want the lines of World War One. And they were set to, you know, concentrate, break through, and then it's run like, through the yeah. countryside. Stalingrad was years long. Oh yeah. Like, so he got well, them uh, occupied and, and half, overextended. Let me, uh, let me look at the dates. I might be thinking Leningrad. They were only that deep. Uh, yeah, Leningrad was long. Uh, but we'll we'll, we'll look up the dates because I hate to uh, I hate to riff on stuff uh, and when it's easily available. Yep, go. Uh, okay, so. Leningrad, World War Two, but in uh, two, so that's um, man, I took that class in college, World War Two, and um, fascinating, fascinating class. Siege of Leningrad, uh, late forties, early fifties. Stalin supposedly jealous. Leningrad city leaders. Um, I'm trying to pull up, but man, it's it, it is a super gory. Uh, you ever see that movie? Um, enemy at the gates yes it's amazing i love it um there's like i mean in uh leningrad uh here's some of the headings cannibalism (laughs) damn dude bombardment um encirclement oh dudes have you ever heard of the book what must be done so okay so um here here's the timeline on leningrad 41 to 44 did you say Stalingrad? Or Leningrad. Leningrad. Uh, Hitler intends to occupy and then destroy Leningrad according to the uh, Barbosa plan. 
uh, and then another plan uh, called General Plan Ost. Uh, June 22nd, Axis powers invade, uh, invade the Soviet Union and begin Operation Barbosa. So when Hitler opened his second, the Eastern Front, that's, it was Operation Barbosa. Uh, so see, that's, that's all kind of clicking back in my memory now that I'm reading it. Um, Operation Barbosa, uh, code name of the Axis invasion of the Soviet Union, starting on the Sunday, uh, June 22nd, 1941. So let's look up Stalingrad now. But... Man, forty-one to like the end of the war. That's and that's wild. I mean, I can't believe that a uh, that a modern siege would last that uh, last that long. Yeah, they had the Russians. The Soviet population had absolute resistance. They lived anywhere. They ate anything. They, you know. When we, as Westerners, fathom what the East has gone through, man, yeah, I know it is. And, uh, dude, I'm not um, in any way a Putin sympathizer. Putin just won't rewind that uh, election. But I've I've listened to some interviews uh, that have kind of, I would say, not made uh, mainstream media. And um, he's like... In in a roundabout way, he admitted to Russian involvement in U.S. election influencing, but he's like, "Yeah, we do that, but we do it, and you guys also do it. But you say you're doing it for the spread of democracy. We're doing it just like out of peace, out of security, and not peace, but out of security uh, for our nation, and to like basically be able to." Um, not uh, lose uh, global positioning. I mean, it's a or it's a really it's a power. It's a balance of power thing. But um, I mean, man, I got a book in there on the bookshelf called uh, Century of Spies, and it was the textbook used in a course I took on espionage in uh, in history. And we started uh, with European history, but it mostly focused on 20th century Cold War. Uh, spy stuff. I mean, and it was wild. Like I was convinced Jeff Woods was a spy when I was taking the class, dude. Wild. So spying and trying to exert political influence—that is since time immemorial, and that's what the Russians are saying right now. In my opinion, is you know we do it, you do it. So what? Yeah, you're right. Stalingrad is 42 and 43. Yeah, Stalingrad. They weren't in that long, man. But but Leningrad. That's what I was thinking. One of those grads. One of those, one of those, you know, it's like, look, too, also, it's like the two major fate polarizing figures of 20th century uh, Russian history. Uh, well, I guess maybe, maybe uh, Joseph Stalin is not polarizing, but um, uh, you get uh, Lenin and Stalin, I mean, yeah, and yeah. grad. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Michael Laster, he's the guest on the podcast. Uh, he told me this crazy story about um, people asking Stalin, um, like, how do you control all these citizens? I mean, wow, your population, like, and how do you manage it? And just like talking to him about his type of rule and his mindset on it. And, um, and you, I may have told you a story, I don't know, but we'll, and I don't think Michael told on the podcast, but I'm just kind of repeating this. This told to me, and I like looked it up and I was like, oh my God. But he's like, oh, you know, okay. And so he gets a chicken. He's like at a table or something, you know, like everybody's in a meeting and he's just like talking to people and he starts plucking that chicken alive. 
plucks all its feathers out, sets the chicken down, and it like runs off in the corner and it's like traumatized. Yeah, right. I I heard a chicken live for six months with no head. Dude, did you read that story about the lizard or the uh, gerbil that got its tail pulled off, bro? No. Dude, when we were kids, like I got a lot of love for my sister. She she would do anything for anyone or any animal, especially she got a heart for animals. But we we had a maze set up from books and videos and this animal gets out from there and goes bolts for the couch dude like under the couch there's a hole and uh, my sister knows that between the ferret the cats we would never get it out alive bro it's gonna die it gets in there so she grabs it but dude the tail stayed on and that thing lived it lived for years with nerves and bone exposed bro and my buddy used to feed it lizards like when i was a teenager i used to see that shit yeah, that that thing was totally traumatized. The uh, the uh, chicken, dude, and it it knew that it had just been reduced to its rawest form, dude. It was like, completely exposed. So, but okay. So here's the thing. So it's the Stalin point is yeah. after the after this after traumatic that, thing, he's like um, he throws some grain out at his feet. Yeah, and then the chicken comes, eats the grain, and then like huddles up next to Stalin. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, where's the source? Yeah, can you take care of me? And and that was his whole point. He's like, did you like my illustration? <laughs> you know, like, uh, wow. Like, dude, my mouth was open when I heard that story. Because, yeah, dude, that's just like any time, sadly, Ooh. dude, I, I get emotional when I see, um, you know, videos, certain things. And that's, that's the power of propaganda, too, is uh, how much it can influence people. But damn it, dude, anytime you bring an animal into it, I'm just like extra like when someone's telling me that story, I'm like, no, don't hurt that chicken, you asshole, Joseph Stalin. You know, I think it's because it's defenseless. But we do need to understand. You mentioned illiteracy. The masses of, yeah, the masses of human uh, population for most of time has been defenseless and really it's like with Putin talking about all these nuclear warheads that he has that are allegedly the, the, the most advanced thing on earth um, and we can't do anything to stop them and we don't have a defense system to stop them it's like that's kind of uh, fear mongering but it's like really like what can Robert and Brian do about that not shit <laughs> like <laughs> Going and like enrolling in the military or uh, enlisting in the military, that's not going to do anything. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I guess it would in the larger sense of things, but we are not individually dictating military policy. No, absolutely not. So, um, it's kind of like you don't, you, even though, it, like, we were talking about literacy and, and consciousness and perception, uh, before the podcast, and you know, it's not, uh, the importance of um, illustration, or I have the note here, and I can't find the dude's name. I'm just going to pick up the phone and be rude since we aren't on video, bro. No, go ahead. I've, that's why I got my Mac out. Sergei Eisenstein. The importance of symbolism and imagery when producing for an illiterate crowd. And he made this film called October about the Russian Revolution, bro. And it, the placards, because it's silent film with orchestra, you know, by a popular, basically, probably Voltarian thinker, you know, uh, orchestrating this. 
And um, the placards are very basic because no one could read them anyways. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, I know. And I mean, but that's the, that's what kind of gets me is like, we were talking about most of, um, most of the world, uh, in, so most of the Western world, for example, was uh, illiterate pre-printing press, like the masses of society, yes. the peasantry. Um, and they just received their direct revelation from the church. Like, that's what's been blowing my mind is like uh, the difference between like something like deism and every other religion uh, but, but like in, in like some Eastern religions too, but like revealed religion, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like Moses goes up to the Mount, the 10 commandments are revealed to him. He comes down, gives them to the people. They automatically trust him. It's like, dude, and I'm not uh, saying anything to try to offend anybody, but in today's society, we call that a cult leader. You know what I'm saying? We're like, Oh, what? Like, dude, um, I was but just reading you have to understand the story that's at least written down is that the people have all witnessed, you know, this fire in the sky that they've been following for years, you know, so there has to be yeah, a yeah, mass yeah. hallucination. There is a yeah. Work. Okay, so Joe Joe Rogan thinks that there's uh uh, what was uh, what was the bush that he thinks um, that Moses uh, saw when he saw the burning bush? It was um, some sort of psychedelic bush, and he think. And then he was talking about one of the guys that, and I do I knew this dude's name, but I'm spacing out because I have a lot of new names I've been having to remember with like teaching this class and the gyms growing more. But um, <clears throat> he was. Uh, Saying that it was like the guy that researched a bunch about the Dead Sea Scrolls, saying that he thought all of modern Christianity was based on a mushroom cult. Wow. I don't, I, I really, it's like, I think Joe Rogan has confirmation bias with that. But, <laughs> but, you know, but I would say, I mean, um, I can say I've done legally, you know, mushrooms, bro. I've done it because I've been to Amsterdam. And I can tell you, I felt pretty connected. To well, it is wild how um, even like more uh, tamer mushrooms like um, lion's mane and um, uh, oh, what is uh, what is another one? Um, there's five types of mushrooms: the shiitake, the lion's mane. There's there's some that has the word gold in it. Is there not? I don't know. There. I'm trying to learn more about it because these these types that like so just think about it like CBD and cannabis. Yeah, yeah. CBD's non psychoactive, but here's what's wild to me is I was talking to somebody and it could be like placebo effect the other day or the, or something. But I saw somebody the other day, a good friend of mine that they don't smoke or anything like that. Uh, that they, they don't they don't do any recreational drugs whatsoever. Like, and they've been doing some CBD to handle like just inflammation and like from lots of training and stuff. And it's like, this person's like 40, you know? And, uh, they're like, no, it's, um, you know, it's weird because like if I, if I vape some of it, even though it's, it's purely federally legal, non-psychoactive CBD, it, he says it fucks him up. Yeah. I've had, uh, you can buy this anywhere, you know, but I've had one of my clients, ask for some for a friend and i was like yeah you know i have a friend who supplies this totally legally she did some cbd vape she has terminal cancer bro 
Yeah. It, it is it's like well inflammation man is such an oh, epidemic yeah. um did you um watch the pat militich uh, joe rogan yeah, such sure a good did. episode um i need to uh get into his conspiracy farm podcast <laughs> a yeah. little bit um i haven't listened to it very much um i watch a little bit of it on youtube but a buddy of mine was listening to i guess the audio and said uh, like the audio only and said that the quality was pretty shit-tastic um, and I've been tweaking my audio only, but I'm about to switch to solely recording on this Tascam DR40. Awesome. So um, my USB mic is uh, still not here. I ordered it uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'm still waiting. So, like, I got – you know how they have the boom arms on, like, uh, a lot of podcasts that you can move around? Yeah, so, yeah, kind of if, cool. yeah, if we're doing three or four people on the podcast – um we could kick all these mic stands off if we wanted um also i just networked um under the table i networked all the cables a couple of days ago i still i ran out i got another track to put up over here but i ran out of adhesive see my moon lamp dude i haven't noticed. hand me that hand me that bar right there i'll turn it on cool. yeah i just got this for the studio i've been been doing some upgrades uh technologically but i wish i would have got a bigger one that that uh globe right there Yes. So uh, you like you charge it. Oh, it's dead. Damn it. But you hit it right there, and it, it turns on. I also left it on when Corey and I were podcasting yesterday. Cool. So, But, dude, it looks awesome. I, w I wish I would have got one, like, three times bigger than this. But you just plug it in right there, and um, it looks cool. I'm trying to, trying to find some cool stuff to uh, put on the table. I got my... Uh, and you guys will see all this on the table. Uh, this Steve Gorley, who's come on the podcast in a couple of weeks, he's coming over on a Sunday, made me this for my black belt. Awesome. That's what they presented That's my really black cool. belt and jiu-jitsu to me in. Um, and this, like, little piece of, uh, it's like engraved my initials in it. Here, check it out. That's amazing. Yeah. I got to see one of the ATA Masters uh, World Champs bust out someone's real Korean samurai sword this week. Wow. Like, yeah, it came this week. Damn. It's an honor to even unpackage it. Awesome. Hickson likes that. See, it's good. The dog gets to be on the podcast. It's not a video version. Yeah, all, that clunking that you were hearing was Pupper Man here chewing on a deer horn. Yeah, Mr. McGrew. He finally started hitting the ledge of the chair with it, so. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> so... So we were talking about the authority of science and uh, religion. And the thing about religion, how people used to view it, was that religion was an expression of self and of nature. It was the authority over nature and supernature. So I can totally so, see our, the division. Our interaction. Religion was basically our, our interaction of, of self with, and with nature. nature. So like deism yes. is like the, that's like the definition of deism. So like a lot of, a lot, and I, I kind of queued up on this and is an undergraduate because I, for some reason had the perception that like all our founding fathers were, um, these, you know, God fearing Puritans that immigrated from the the oppressive English government and when we were oppressed further they rebelled in the name of all that is good and it's like uh in in this a whole um just being a Christian founded nation 
And a lot of our drafters and framers and founding fathers were deists, and they believed more in uh, uh, a natural... Um, that nature was an expression of the creator. Exactly. And we, as Westerners, or I'm sorry, I, I should say, as, as folks who are ignorant of religion, we and ourselves, we view God as someone who sits on a throne, a literal person who sits on the throne and judges us. And what we need to understand is that I even in the Bible, but most religions, it expresses God as spirit. And that's news. That's the original founding expression that built geometry and the expansion of the, of the universe and eventually things coagulating. We have, you know, dark matter, which is assimilated matter. But the thing that assimilates that matter is spirit. And you and I have talked about that at length. <laughs> so that's spiritualism. I, I was actually sitting with this cat named Jeremy, J. Bravo Jones. And um, he, he was expressing to me, he's like, you know, I, I'm a science guy. He, and he goes into how he believes in science and um, he believes in positivism and basically the Industrial Revolution, how we are, you know, positivism is going to build us into being a, a um, what's the word that I'm looking for? An optimist or a, uh, where we're going to express ourselves perfectly at some point. So... Uh, I w but he also believes in some type of spiritual interaction, you know, because he's had experiences. And he was telling me about it, and I'm like, dude, that's why religion carries throughout world histories, because humanity knows. And the mushrooms. That's why, yeah, they, that's like, why the they call all about. of that the, uh, the humanities. Like uh, everything that we're kind of dabbling about around and like everything I'm interested in, I consider martial arts a humanity. It's like human endeavors and it's crazy how much that like really, unless you were born into privilege before the Renaissance and before like the humanist movement, like what Robert did does not matter in the world i mean like yes there's but like you know like the the importance and rise and importance of the individual like oh, of yeah. just like someone like joe rogan for example who can just come from a normal family and move to california and make Change it the world. and and literally yeah exactly and dude what's what's crazy too is hearing him like just this morning i was listening to um an episode and i was hearing him talk about um some part of his come up, you know, and just like basically when it was like him, when he was having to be on the road, it was like him and Joey Diaz and um, I think uh, Brian Redband or no, it was Duncan Trussell. But at this time, like Joe Rogan was not like he wasn't making money, you know, he was like uh, and especially like I guess he was probably doing a little better, but those people that were with him weren't making money. And dude, I mean, just talking to uh, I mean, and. Jack's a little, um, a little different, I think, because he is, um, he is always, ever since I've known him, had like a really, he has a really good skill set, which allows him to, um, uh, secure a, uh, an income that would allow a single man like Joe Rogan or something to live in Southern California, uh, and not, you know, uh, I mean, he, I'm not saying he doesn't worry about things, but like, you know, it's, it's uh, more of like I, I couldn't imagine going out there and having to pay for an apartment that was nice or a rent house or anything by myself. 
You know, like, uh, and you're going to have to be making a lot of money to do that. Yeah, it is a lot of throwing money away. I did it for years and years. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I couldn't imagine living in that, uh, that big, large of a city like that. Uh, it's uh, it like a Dallas, uh, I mean, I'll tell you what would eat me up and like why I get so behind like what Elon Musk, Elon Musk is like, how he views society is interesting to me. He's like, doesn't doesn't traffic like stress you out and i was like dude being on the 405 is so stressful like that's what i thought and i mean he's uh he's talking about california and i'm like dude yeah like why would it take me uh over an hour to go 17 miles on the freeway i feel but hey dude i'm telling you right now it takes jen an hour to get basically uh four five miles and that's because of the 67 167 north of little mm. rock that's been under construction basically since gets I've packed been here. dude when i came here out okay so check this out as a military mine so the exit off of the base at our airfield is um basically two lanes of highway and the right lane comes off on a swerve and feeds off onto this channel where it requires a stoplight and so you end up having backup there constantly man and people are exposed our military is sitting there exposed in the car a lot of times with their kids and this and that and in this area when i came there was for the better part of a year uh, probably a year and a half these potholes that would swallow up a volkswagen bro you know some small car literally and eating tires up eating <coughs> axles up and the standard of living out there isn't too bad. There's pockets in Sherwood and Jayville where things get hairy, but for the most part, yeah, true that. Um, for the there. most part, you know, people have a voice out there in politics. It's it's regular people driving. Well, it road. is crazy how like once you get out closer to like, I'm not saying Cabot or Searcy is rural, but between Cabot and Searcy and between Cabot and like Valonia or Conway, going that route. Like that is, I mean, there is yeah. a they have to deal with a lot of rural county politics to um, run. And I'm, I like that. Uh, Cause I mean, we rode that 64, like all the way to chorus five, basically, and then turned off there um, around Augusta or whatever. It's beautiful. There's a lot of, you know, hills and open land. That's why like, I mean, I get um, some of the perceptions people have about but, um, Arkansas or the South and I think um, I think that that's more of a cl uh, thing to apply to the South, and uh, but man, Arkansas has so much natural beauty. Yep, it's called the natural state for a reason, and it really has changed my life, my philosophy, but how I view myself interacting with nature, dude. You know, I I've always, as an adult, like kind of taken things as as more of a. Um, minimalist stance you know like i'm not truly a minimalist I, I have a closet full of crap and you know cars that i drive around this is a minimalist around. podcast studio yeah exactly right but um you know I, i've i've never been the type except during the military years which is a topic we'll talk about later that um you know i took four showers a day or i would just turn my heat all the way up or cold all the way down or blah 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 you know it's, it's yeah like, like thrivelous with yeah, man, I was thinking about that. Like somebody the other day was like, did you know if you pee in the sink and then wash your hands after you pee in the sink, mm -hmm. it saves this much water? Don't and I was like, sink, don't. I will. 
Yeah, but I was like, damn, I never thought about it that way. Like, every time you flush the toilet, how many, like, it's like two gallons of water or something, depending on the size of your tank, that just kind of mm-hmm. goes away. It fills in with, with your... You carry away amino acids and proteins. And yeah. That is, um, that's another thing. It's like, like you have half of Europe's population dying um, from the plague. And it was all, like... Not all, but like a lot of it was because of sanitation, sanitation and water, and that's like during the Renaissance that became such a um, such a topic. big topic. Yes. Remonetization. Remonetization. Have you? Um, I was telling my class this. Have you heard of the um, oil, the essential oil called thieves? Yeah. So, allegedly, and I may be totally wrong on this, if you can look me up and talk shit in the comments, um, because we're trying to get those, uh, you know, organic reach or whatever on the podcast. If you're talking about it, no publicity is bad. Give me a thumbs down, I don't care. But, uh, accordingly, uh, the thieves is a reference to when you would have these uh, big breakouts of the plague and... um, bubonic plague black death and like all of that i was talking to you about the mongols earlier all of that came from the tibetan plateau traveled through the silk roads to italy and then hit the rest of europe yeah you know the viruses and things that whites brought over to north america came from asia in the most yeah yeah that's that's wild uh here's another thing so um a new world disease that our man louis the 14th we were talking about um contracted was syphilis dude syphilis and brain damage that that's something dude a lot of the european monarchs pre-enlightenment um and even post-enlightenment uh uh, had syphilis uh yeah so but that was uh so here's another thing like i actually did not know this i heard about it on joe rogan and then i researched it and because i'm ironically I am like lecturing on the Enlightenment right now in my cl- uh, the class I teach, and uh, we're moving into the French Revolution. And I've had I've had courses, individual courses on both of those. I'm super interested in those topics. Um, <clears throat> Nietzsche had syphilis, most likely. So oh, that's yeah, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, apparently his sister was probably modeling his work, like you know, to fit Hitler's agenda, the white supremacy thing. Uh, social Darwinism and things like that, you know. We're, we're I have to look into, into that. Yeah, um, dude, I was having a conversation about um, the influence of science and how Darwinism and it, it, when we look at sacred geometry and the shape of the universe, clearly things are developing, you know, on top of one another. And there's a reason that the anthropologists are basically Neoplatonists and pre-Socratics who didn't come to learn. You know, they, they came to be more egotistical and kind of tell society that these people were ignorant rather than the people who came earlier and built the foreground of science that kind of made the population ignorant of their... Do you know what science blood. was called before it was called science? Um, natural science. Natural philosophy. Yeah, natural philosophy, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dude, I'm sorry. I totally, sorry, I didn't I totally mean to cut you off. My train of thought. So, um, yeah, anthropologists had come in and basically, um, like, like told people that they were ignorant. But um, 
Darwin was was saying that things develop on top of one another. Long long and short of it is that you can see a natural progression of things. So social Darwinism is when uh, basically what we would consider the left said, no, you cannot apply this to humanity. But I, there are um, different things about the human body that when you look at um, when you look at them, you can see that there are differences in the races, and there are muscles and uh, bones that are being phased out over time, over populations, and it it probably does uh, play into self portrayal. That like ninety percent of the people who have existed in the world. I I yeah said, I tell you what you're saying. So social Darwinism is a topic that basically we can't talk about, bro. Yeah, they. I will say this. I did learn about social Darwinism in um, in college, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and it um, it is a fascinating topic to me. Uh, you know, here's like on the. Um, I think that people like Hitler have observed what you just talked about, like because I mean, like uh, when I took. Um, uh, this uh, a professor uh, that I had named Dr. Neal. She's uh, re uh, recently passed away, actually. But uh, she was talking about how um, how if you look at um, countries' relation, uh, like distance from the equator and just basically geographic placement influences their uh, physical traits. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you know, you, like you hear that, but I feel like some people that are like less, uh, maybe, maybe less or more educated, I don't know, view sort of like what you were just talking, like let's say Hitler and say, oh yeah, these races, blah, 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 they're all, you know, da, da, da. And so, oh, I look back at this and it just, you apply that confirmation bias to, oh, I noticed that um, this race has been inferior and is dying out. I should go ahead and facilitate that happening so they don't breed. Even Black Mirror did an episode where it's like, these bloodlines don't breed with these bloodlines. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were conveniently set up with a time when all subhumans were more or less wiped from the earth. And there are so many thoughts of human humanity having wiped out complete species of animals you know over time uh robin has talked about it before lots of people have yeah philosophy that, um i don't really uh know know too much about you know that in general but bro i think that we do have a tendency to fight people that are different than us and oh it goes on i, I talk about that in um border regions the studies were phrenology and that was a study of cranial bones, which if you saw the, uh, the movie where Leonardo DiCaprio was playing with, uh, God, was it Will Smith, dude? No, no. Wait. Yeah, anyways. Uh, um, you know what I'm talking Django? about. Django? Yes. Django, Django Unchained. Um, uh, no, uh, Jamie, Fo Jamie, Jamie Fox. Jamie Foxx. Yeah, bro. yeah. Yeah, so anyways, um, he's studying the map of the bones, and basically he's the most ignorant fucking person on the earth, you know? So... Um, I can tell you, as someone who does craniosacral therapy, there is a difference in the way your bones stack and how your body interacts with your brain and your self-expression, your, yeah. your global intuition, the universal intuition. Um, but then also the study of vestigial muscles, vestigial. And what that, what that is, is muscles that are being phased out by um, 
you know, development over time. And we, like we talked about in that podcast with uh, Hickson's, you know, Hickson's seminar, the more upright you are, the more you are an expression of science. It is crazy. Science calls it omega. Posture. Omega, yeah, posture. And everyone's on it right now. Like the, the topics, the hot topics that are in the world right now are so polarizing, bro. And, we, you know, we even with Russia right now, like what's developed the last couple of days, I, I guess it's been the last few days. You know, who kicks out one another's diplomats? No one does that shit. Anyways, let's get back on topic. The, um, like basically, bro, when we look at, at the development of science and things like that, we, we really are just kind of, okay, for instance, the reason that Jay Bravo had brought that up is because a dude walked by us and he, he had been cured from cancer like three weeks, dude. He got diagnosed, went through treatment. Three weeks later, it's already in remission and he's back like celebratory, you know? So, um, so basically like, I, I personally feel we go through that humanity goes through what we would call cancer all the time. You know, a lot of times we don't know we have it. We naturally change things about ourselves that uh, heal it and bring it back to, you know, bring our body back to homeostasis, bro. But um, we've, we've gone through this slog where we've had to have exactly like what you were talking about with as the industrialization happened. We had social revolution with rights and it's been like one side shooting up and the other side shoots up to match their side. And we are going to reach, optimism is the word I was looking for earlier. We are going to reach optimism where we, humanity has broken through, you know, and gone on. But Well, yeah, I mean, that's like, um, and that's what got us uh, on this whole conversation is kind of talking about uh, the evolution of, uh, and, uh, progression of consciousness like consciousness being becoming more of a more and i think that people like um when they hear something like that they're like you know i don't know maybe immediately start thinking to like illuminati conspiracies of the global elite trying to transcend or something like that you know that's the thing though what what the average human would consider consciousness is our interaction with nature and just our yes yes well and that's how we view evolution like what is man's next evolution we seem to be getting away from an animalistic form we're getting duller features longer and taller you know more basically what we would consider an ethereal formless shape and that's what humans have described aliens as for a long ass time but the um the illuminati or basically materialists optimists what we would call optimists or materialists in our culture want us to evolve to become one transcendent with um with science with um mechanical we're gonna we're gonna bond with the machines yeah, dude the machines dude skynet dude there is an actual military program called skynet interesting there is so that's probably loosely based on uh, I tell people like just in that back on that espionage class like that's how I found out about the NSA and like all about man I've been I kicked down did you watch that Joe Rogan with um I think it was uh TJ Flowers it was this author what is his name of this book called The Westies and it's about um it's about Cuban immigrants to the United States and um 
it's it's fascinating how they talk about um like their culture and how it crossed over here and how they got you know like all up and down the east coast and this um it's funny how alike their culture is to brazil bro they both like to party in the same way they're very um oh dude what's the word he was actually a russian he wrote ride of the valkyries bro the dancers Ooh, okay yeah, yeah. Uh, was was very erratic and kind of um tj english yeah yeah i have that note too what i say tj flowers tj english it's all good he's a fighter bro <laughs> dj flowers but yeah i mean just like um it's crazy some of the stuff that uh we've been involved in um that would uh you know lead you to think that there are some uh some serious involvement going on behind this like here's uh like i didn't know this so you know uh, it's like bay of pigs uh botched um invasion of cuba by cuban uh citizens but so that were um that they were like became veterans of that particular conflict right so <clears throat> the cubans that that ended up settling up and down the east coast they um they formed their own culture and everything but they also like four of the seven people that broke into uh water that were implicated in the watergate scandal were cuban uh cuban veterans of the bay of pigs invasion That's did you know that unbelievable nope. dude but okay so here's the thing is like that went on rampantly like it was like, hey, yeah, you know, we're gonna use you. Like, let's let's just like, here's what they were saying on the podcast. He's like, look, you know, you help us get, you help us do this, and then we're gonna go get Fidel. But they had like 692 attempts or something on Fidel Castro's yeah. life, and it was all CIA stuff. So it's, it's like these intelligence agencies. So I mean, it really shapes my view of the world. Subversion is totally mm. normal. It is a normal. That's what, yeah, that's what Sam Putin was saying. Um, did you know that Germany actually allowed Lenin to come back after he had been exiled for the second time? He was brought back in a locked up fucking cattle car so he couldn't talk to their troops, bro. And freaking, Mal, Mal, uh, anyways, Stalin and is it Markinov, their other boy? Anyways, yeah. I think yeah, I Markov think it is. Uh, Markov yeah, they, or Markov. Yeah. They met Lenin when the Germans gave him back, bro. And they immediately went to St. Petersburg, which was under a different name at the time, and started a revolution, bro. It, like, uh, carried on the revolution that had started. Yeah. I, I do really... I, I never took a class on Russian history. In the Enlightenment, we got into Peter the Great quite a bit. World civilization covers... It'll, it'll, cut, it'll yeah, take, pull, like, pull, 10 minutes, uh, bro. Pull it up, pull it up, for sure. Cool. But um, I, I really do... Um, I do want to get more into Russian history because it keeps coming up, you know. It, it is such a, it's it's a. I can see it being such a broad topic as well. Dude, watch, watch how this works out. So, um, before I get into this, I'd like to bring up that the rise of Napoleon and the original French Revolution with the Enlightenment was partially caused by France funding the American Revolution against basically the British, dude. Okay, so. There had already been this model going on. And so World War I is leaving the Tsarist Russia crushed. 
their ruling class is losing authority after the Russian ruling class had after the Russo-Japanese War. So even in Russia, the intelligentsia and radical intelligentsia, which is basically what had led to science and uh, public, kind of public forum type of thing, uh, you know, the more rights you have, and industrial revolution actually brought workers together also so it made a can i comment real quick on the russo-japanese war i wrote uh, i wrote a big excerpt on that in my thesis uh and did a lot of research so russo-japanese war mitigated and he won the nobel peace prize for doing this by teddy roosevelt yesterday on the podcast talked about how teddy roosevelt uh, got a brown belt in judo trained the basement of the white house put that guy in west point to teach our military and that's pretty much our earliest american military tradition associated with uh eastern martial arts uh like martial arts from southeast asia whether it's uh, uh officially yes like so judo at that time but uh, so the Russia, so at that time in Japan, judo had just become the physic, like just previously, uh, like uh, maybe even 1904, it was like right, right around the same time. And it, earlier, it had become a part of the Japanese Navy. And that is like of their training regimen. So everybody in the Japanese Navy was doing judo. And judo was this. Uh, preservation of samurai and jujitsu culture and what it is to be um you know a, a japanese uh, male that is for uh you know the 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 emperor and and what the duty and and bushido and buddha and all of those cultural Civic elements minded. yes that's a great great uh, lay way to put at, it at the cultural time that's what it was described as yeah and so it's um russo japanese war I think, and other people I agree with this that do uh, research around this topic, that one of the reasons the Japanese thumped Russia in that war so much, and I mean, until Peter the Great, Russia didn't have that big of a, of a naval tradition, but um, was due to the discipline that their military sustained and also pride through the act of training judo. Yeah, the esprit de corps, exactly. Because Russians had sur- surplus scarcity. It's actually a, a, what's the word, a name throughout their history. They can't shoot real bullets. They can't do real things. And most armies can't afford to do that all the time. In a modern American army, you don't shoot all the time. You probably shoot twice a year. But doing judo, it builds connection like we talked about. That is your social litmus test and your bonding time and things like that. So the, the Russians had been losing authority, and the Industrial Revolution, like we, we touched on, Russia is always running behind, right? So Russia actually has a time when, when they run behind and they lose bad because of the naval development by the uh, Japanese, and then they're losing World War I because of the same thing. And the thing is that their people are so illiterate that they can't run the machines of war. They don't understand how uh, the machine workings of uh, of an actual gun works, which I guess sounds like the modern left right now trying to take our gun rights. They just really don't understand. They can't explain the science of this. So they don't understand how it works. And they're probably actually more afraid when you're putting them up against these trained Yeah, dude, Ben Shapiro said if you... Like these kids that did we, I don't remember if you and I were talking about the the kid, but he's like, if you want to get Republicans to get out and vote, get these kids to get more speeches. Like, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh man. Dude, and yeah, we could go off on that. They aren't showing signs, our youth, of being self like dependent. You know, they are not independent youth who have a balanced understanding of 
life and how the world actually works. And, you know, I understand utopia, but when we under when we look at utopian society with man, as the world lays right now, like we we need to discard that as a philosophy, in my opinion. Building a utopia has not worked so far in any of its. But you know what? If what is a thing? What's that? Dystopia. Dystopia. And that, the, which is like the antithesis of utopia. But like some people think that, uh, like for the the future of New York City will be a dystopian nightmare, uh, you know? New York was supposed to have fallen, fallen into Gotham like 20 years ago, but it, it doesn't. You know, we've seen the spirit of New York when shit actually goes down. And that was actually a pretty clean incident. If things really got hairy, unless things fell to cannibalism, but that's the thing. Like, uh, we have such a civic-minded, ingrained, like, mind that I think New Yorkers, just like the people in Leningrad, just like the people of Stalingrad, they would resist living in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle layer, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Secret of the ooze. So, so uh, as far as losing authority, like Tsar Nicholas II is on the front lines while Rasputin and uh, what's her name? Elizabeth? Sorry, let me find her, this uh, real quick. Alexandria, dude, who is a cousin of the Germans. And like you were talking about, everyone being related, interrelated, like this Nicholas mm. was related. He's a cousin to the German or uh, British rulers, you know, blah, blah, blah. But uh, they're living super decadent. Like they have everything. And it's pretty much the most polarizing thing that goes on in human history is uh, this quick little history of Russia. So the aristocracy is living in hedonism. Um, Alexander is accused of um, basically being in touch with the Germans and working for the Germans. The Tsar becomes the commander-in-chief. He's been resisting so, uh, social overhaul. And Rasputin, who's exerting all this influence, gets murdered by aristocrats in 1916 December. So it's the end of 1916 this happens. It's real quick, dude. And it's done by aristocrats. And some people say it might have been British aristocrats or like someone working more for the monarchs, dude. So this American, Nicholas Murray Butler, Carn uh, working for the uh, Carnegie Foundation International Peace, <laughs> writes that there is some goings-on worth observing. So in other words, from our social media, you know, they're observing. They know and they understand this binary system is at work there, okay? So there's a strike at a metalworking plant called Pudilov on February 18th. International Women's Day is the 23rd of February, 1917, so it's been like two months basically. And that's in Petrograd, which was St. Petersburg, the capital at the time. The women protest the bread shortages. They want more bread to rural areas outside Yeah, that, uh, that happened in the French Revolution. Yeah, exactly, dude. It's a recurring theme. 100,000 women go through streets calling for workers to join. The next day, the students and workers join. Day after that, general strike is called the 27th. The troop and mutiny swap. The troops mutiny and swap sides. The country is in a pretty bloodless revolt. Revolt like there are conflicts between police and some landowners and and the peasants, but nothing like a huge revolt, bro. Then March 1st, there is an order number one allowing soldiers to elect officers. And it is illegal to demean soldiers. Soldiers are shooting their leadership. That sounds a lot like what's going on in our country right now, right? So, 10 days after women's protest, Tsar Nicholas II abdicates. The 300 years of Romanov rule ends. The Duma, the National Assembly of Provi or Provisional Government, shares power 
and he's supposed to, Rosar is supposed to keep power over that, um, but they are, the National Assembly, the provisional government, is sharing the power with the Soviet. Now, those are elected workers and soldiers in Petrograd. So Petrograd is the capital, and it's the center of all this, right? So the Soviet is dominated by Socialist Revolutionary Party and, Martian, and the Marxist Menshevik Party. And they support Duma in prolonging involvement in World War One, bro. So it's crazy. Like they they talk about it to the people philosophically as though World War One is a Marnicus thing, but in the actual halls, they don't really fight to make it stop, bro. And they know that it's going to happen. They know this is going to happen. So like we talked about, Lenin is snuck back in, um, he, and he's met by. Uh, Stalin, bro, and they're like, oh, great job, great job, and Markov is like, yeah, great job, and Lenin looks at him and says, no, this was not the revolution. There's going to be a worldwide revolution of the proletariat, the workers, which will spread, and um, basically, like, Stalin is the one who carries out that revolution when you look at the end of the timeline, so spoiler alert, but our tactic he is, like, this is his actual quote, our tactic, absolute distrust, no support for the bourgeoisie, which is the middle class, bro. And so Lenin demanded, demanded redistribution of land to the peasants and power to newly upspringing people's Soviets or councils, which are, again, like communal, you know, thought processing circles. And his uh, theory is bread, peace, and land. So the 18th of June, there's a, a Russian offensive. It leaves 400 thousand casualties 400,000 casualties in one battle because they're fucking ignorant their generals just like with most Russian tradition they that's the same size as Louis XIV's entire standing army uh, it's insane. during his reign his reign yeah casualties bro so desertion abounds morale collapses in July the soldiers and sailors mutiny in Soviet held Petrograd joined by workers they end up getting fired on by troops loyal to provisional government Bolshevik leadership is arrested, including Trotsky. Stalin assists Lenin in escape into Finland and back into exile. Socialist Kerensky takes control of the Russian government. So there's a socialist already in charge. He's supposed to be a savior. He, his head general, Kormilov, knows Soviet is undermining the war effort. So basically the Soviet is what we would call the intelligentsia at the time, bro. They're the thinkers that reductionist thinking is the way to think of it as a scientist, bro. It has to be reduced to the point where you can prove it, right? So he knows that they're undermining the war effort and social progress. He declared Lenin a German spy. He marched troops to Petrograd. Um, but basically there was a, a revolt, bro. Trotsky got released from prison and organized the successful Bolshevik events. The Red Guards are what they were called. The rail workers slogged Komolov's progress, and his troops joined the revolt for abandoned <laughs> and abandoned their post. The Bolshevik was seen as saviors of the revolution. They gained majority in Petrograd, the Soviet, by the end of September. Lenin says history will not forgive us if we don't seize power now, and he returns at the 10th of October. The revolution starts on the 25th, and they seize provisional government at the Winter Palace, which is Catherine's Imperial Hermitage Museum, which is, at the time, the uh, foremost Catherine leading the collection of art in the world. Dude, she was insane with it. October is that silent film we talked about by Sergei Eisenstein, um, the importance of symbolism and imagery when producing for an illiterate crowd. The posters say October Revolution is a bridge to a bright future, though modernity, of course, is 
were divided. The duality, the freedoms and tragedies that we talked about, and the uh, industrialization, the human progress, bro. Um, yeah, basically like the the family, the Tsarist family was tried to be kept alive, <coughs> but the counterinsurgency fighting against the communist socialist kept hunting them down <coughs> until it was Anastasia, right? She and her family and their servants were killed in the cellar by the communists. That's the story, bro. Damn, dude. Well, like... Um, and then that carried on till World War II, like the Poland, hotbed of revolution. All the way through, it was declared a state. And Poland's gone on and off the map so many Russia times. Has, Russia's actually kind of at its longest reign of peace ever. <laughs> Not ever, but you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, that's um, the Bolshevik Revolution is uh, is wild. That's why, like, it's a topic you skirt over. Like, I, I took the class of uh, first and second red scares, for example. Um, and then uh, it, when you take, uh, I took history between the wars, 1919 to 1939, I think it was. Um, U.S. History 45 to present, several courses that deal with the Red Scares. And I think you and I, and I've talked about this before, like a lot, I, there's a lot of parallels between what's going on now in the media. And it's just in with North Korea is still the same. It's like it's it's a lot of Cold War rhetoric, you know, a lot of cold, like with with what's going on with Putin and everything. And um, that's why. um uh, that's, uh, you know, I get some of the uh, bigger picture uh, politics that are going on and dynamic and interplay between the United States and Russia now uh, based off that history. You know, it's super complex, though. My grandma is actually in the hospital today. I saw that post. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, surgery. Three to five hours. Got to have heart surgery. I'm actually going to Little Rock here in uh, a few hours to uh, for the weigh-ins, and uh, we'll be dropping in to see her. So, um, it's an amazing car, dude. Yeah, it's gonna Chauncey be. Chelsea Foxworth is the only dude to mess with Jaleel, bro. Um, are they fighting again? No. no. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So um, on this card, I'm gonna have somebody boxing, kickboxing, and fighting MMA. Tim is sparring at the beginning. They're doing a bunch of exhibition sparring for like pre-fight entertainment for with boxers from the state, and uh, he's gonna get dual sparring, so that'll be cool. Well, um, that's cool. A lot of cool topics swirling around. Yeah, you want to hear about the development of science and how the uh, positivism and everything rolled around? For sure, okay. for sure. Lay it on me. I'll try to read this more cleanly and just read it as a narrator, bro. Sorry. No, nah, dude. I mean, and I, man, I paraphrase so much. I will tell you though, like one, um, one particular lecture, I just like kind of, I didn't phone it in, but man, the, the, re the whole scientific revolution, that's just such a difficult, um, time period for me to lecture on. Like the background of it and the whole natural philosophy side and explaining that history, not so much, but man, when you get into, Galileo, Copernicus, Francis Bacon, Isaac Newton, it, um, 
it starts to get uh i just start getting like oh i gotta and he wrote this and yeah. this said that yeah, and like, exactly like what you said you know i don't it's cool to not be a historian like carlin talks about that a ton bro but i don't want to butcher anything yeah and yeah dan carlin doesn't even say he's a historian and he's like yeah. the badass most badass historian So, so yeah, we've talked about how the uh, Neoplatonists wrote the uh, Trismegistus, Hermes the, the tri thrice great, um, and he wrote the, uh, yeah, anyways, the coagulation of all the alg um, alchemy work and the Eastern stuff and how the, the natural philosophers traveled the world to actually observe, and they wrote all these things that influenced Christianity. They, a lot of people say that Neoplatonists wrote the Bible. And, uh, you know, that was it Constantine? Yeah, he, mm -hmm. he was reading this book that I can't recall the name of that I'll remember in five minutes and deliver like an asshole. People can Google it. Yeah, dog, Google it. I mean, they're not, they're like, it's not like they're, they're it's an audio, they may be listening on YouTube, but... That's what I hate about YouTube. You can't go to like Safari or you know, well, however you get to the internet on non-Apple phones, uh, <laughs> and and look stuff up. As soon as you've closed the YouTube thing, it's just like you can't listen anymore. I gotta say, I know it's the devil, but I pay YouTube Red, bro, nine ninety nine every month. It's the only subscription I pay for for music and. So you get to no commercials. You get all the little shows that they're about to start. It's their Karate Kid, Netflix, Cobra Kai, nigga. Yes, the one, bro. Hey, I just dropped an M bomb, and I'm saying it's love, dog. I've been raised so much by black folk, bro. I'm saying like I've got one love for everyone that was not raised. So I, I'm sorry. I can't edit it out if you want. No. Don't, dude. Everyone knows it's all love. I know, dude. Stuff. You know, one time I did that around like one of my black friends. Dude, it's like the only time I accidentally amazing, dropped bro. it, like, and I just kind of like. Everything uh, from every angle that it was supposed to be. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, but that's it's so funny. Like uh, growing up and stuff. Uh, one time I had my a good friend of mine's best man at my wedding called me yesterday to congratulate me on my bike belt. Yeah, uh, actually, and he was like. Uh, he is saying to like all the all the bike guys at our lunch table. He's like, guys, I just like when I hear y'all using it like with each other. Like I see that like y'all. It's because y'all are bros. Like yeah. I mean, can I just use it when I'm around y'all? Because I mean, we're bros too, right? And they're like, hell no! <laughs> like they were like, they're like, you ain't doing it, dude. Yeah, you can't you say can't it. Ask permission. It's only when it's given. Dude, um, you know, here's another thing I've noticed, and I mean, it is a very ta that that is way less taboo like obviously it's almost yeah, but bro. but like um i noticed joe rogan uh drops the full on with the two g's and the er and everything and it, but it's in reference like and two when you're when you're reading things um it's hard uh like when i read primary sources i've been doing all this research on uh civil rights under lbj yep. and it's in that context, it is, you know, and, and then a lot of people say, oh, I like the history of that and connecting back. But it's like uh, and then some I've heard um, some people, um, uh, white people be like uh, really get offended really by rich. black people using it with black people yeah. like, hey, boy, well, uh, you know that. Yeah, yeah, you know that your grandpa had to, or like my grandpa so or whatever generation you're doing. doesn't understand the validity of I actually watched in. Uh, seventh grade, I'm sorry, eighth grade, man, uh, this 
two two cats that were friends and both of them were pretty like laid back i would call them independent kids and two you know one said something in friendship little skater kid and this cat named chris came out of his chair and beat him on his desk bro he got pulled off of him and uh and he was crying. He was like, why'd you have to say that? Why'd you have to say that? And I can go deep into this incident in class. Actually, I was in this massage school. Now, understand that I cannot be a bigger minority in our country than being a white, quote-unquote, Christian male therapist. You don't find it. So in therapy school, um, the, we're in Phoenix, Arizona, we get these insane monsoon storms. They're beautiful, bro. And the lights were flickering and going out. And our teacher, Tom, goes, you know, He's like, can't have the lights going out in here with all y'all, you know. And he was making more like sexual innuendo because he was kind of a creep dude, whatever. That, that, that was his teacher personality, and it was all good. And, um, like, basically, I, I turned around. I was at the front of the class, and I was like, I was like, shit, where's Marie? And I was like, you know. And I meant nothing by race. Race, 100% not in my mind. Like, I was thinking, like, who can I pick on but be on the level with and where everything is cool and make this joke? And, dude, Marie took it wrong, bro. And uh, I went into the office with him. Uh, he's a muscular athlete, you know, just prime of his life, 23. And uh, two black females, dude. And they were the teachers and uh, staff, you know, faculty. And he was up and walking, pacing, bro. And it's a room that's half this size. And I'm sitting on a couch like I'm sitting, you know, I'm completely exposed. And I spoke my piece and I'm keeping my cool. But after like 10 minutes, I finally stood up and pushed my way like, you know, shoulder by, bro. And this dude had been to my house and blazed up and then we were fucking on the level, bro. You know, we studied together. We went through, uh, you know, at least three or four semesters. It was late in the year. And after that, you know, everything was cool. You know, we, we talked and everything was cool. But, dude, there was definitely a friend saw it and talked about it. That I wonder, and I mean, I can't empathize. Like, if somebody made a joke about, like, my I'm, like, pretty light complected, like, I don't know. I mean, like people like if i had my shirt off in the gym or something be like man you need to get some sun dog like if it's in the winter you know i'm like i know dude but um i don't like take offense to that and i could see due to the history of race relations in the united states and in abroad how other minorities could take offense to it you know but it's like at the same time i'm like I don't know. It's like, I get, you know, to universally say you can't joke about skin color or pigment yeah. because it's like, like I said, I mean, dude, call me, call me pasty white. I don't care. But, uh, or it, I don't know. I, I, I think I kind of could see it getting taken out of context. I've heard people take that out of context. Let me, so my buddy Colby told me that I don't know if it's true or not, but he said that he had read somewhere that the whole thing, um, like, with um law enforcement saying show me your hands uh -huh. was a um a way for if they were it was at night to determine if the person was black Dude, and i know that's probably a totally racist a thing specific story that i was waiting to tell bro because as a kid who tans in the summer like i get mexican level dark you know hispanic level dark can't yeah. say that that's also uh, that's, that's, <laughs> no, I, I grew up in what would be considered like north central phoenix so not true central phoenix but just barely on the north side and i remember in kindergarten uh being on the playground 
and a bunch of Latino kids bringing the females, like basically all the cute females, bro, coming to me and looking at the palms of my hands, bro, and saying, he's white, he's white. And <coughs> as I've understood social sciences, kids understand things in the context in which they're used. And the way that I heard white used throughout my life was like pure, innocent, vulnerable, like gullible kind of, you know, pure or like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just weak. Bro. <coughs> and so I had no idea that it had to do with skin color. And I understood, of course, diversity. And we had a lot of like native roots to not only Native Americans. A lot of my family has their certified degree of Indian blood, but also the Celtic, you know, and, and we also learned a lot of the um, Western, like Eastern, I should say Western interpretation of the Eastern theories. So I learned about karate and Taoism and Confucianism and Buddhism, but I learned a lot of science and I learned a lot of theoretical science, dude. So I had so many different influences and stuff, but I didn't understand racism until I understood uh, other races. Now looking at my own name, R-E-G-N-I-E-R, -E -E do you have any idea how many people have said Regnigger? completely butchered the name. Now, my point is this, that how many white people entering this country lost their names? A high percentage. Oh, so many. A high percentage. Now, Sounds many, like this. This I-E-R at the end of my name, America has no idea what yay is, bro. Yay. Yay. You know, Dude, yeah, I will tell you, root. French, like, I, I I don't know if I mentioned this today, but I've just been having, like, I'm I'm really deep into this French history in my class, and I have to pronounce all these French names. Like, dude, I can't even pronounce Voltaire's yes, name. Yeah. I don't know if it's Arwa or Arouette. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I know, like, OIS is usually Wa. Yeah. Like, Francois. Francois. Uh, but, like, uh, his last, uh, Voltaire's real last name is A-R-O-U-E-T. Are wet, I, like so. I just tell him, I'm like, hey, I'm butchering this pronunciation, and um, by the way, uh, it's a written test, so you don't know how have to know how to say it. Just know that it says Hohenzollern, uh, and what that looks like, and who those people are. <laughs> All right. Well, bomb. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, dude. Uh, well. I guess we can wrap it up. Spontaneous sort of podcast. Uh, what kind of you got? When's your first appointment for today? Dude, I have no real it's schedule. Pretty wide yeah, open. I was thinking about rolling with you to Little Rock, bro. Hey, yeah, you're more than welcome to. I'm actually gonna try and get back. Um, like yeah. right, like they're probably gonna weigh in at four, like right at four, yeah. and then we have our award ceremony tonight at five thirty. But I don't know if I'll be able to. Are you still working on uh, somebody at five thirty? Yeah, sweet. Danielle. Yeah, yeah. I think that I'll be. I think we'll be able to be back, um, but who knows with athletic commission and yeah. stuff like that. That's the whole story, man. You, there are so many things that we've seen, unique situations that we see in the back channels of what actually happens. And yeah. the bureaucracy is insane. Trying to micromanage and apply the ways oh, of dude. man to the flow. That's why there's like there's a whole chapter in my history book right now I'm using over absolutism, and it's basically just a tyrannical form of ruling people. Like, hey, um, I have absolute power, not the pope. Not really anyone else other than me do what I say or my 400,000-man army going to come kill you. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. All right, dude. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and sign it off. Who knows? Maybe we'll do another podcast and watch a Hickson seminar or something. 
subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're trying to get those followers. You can listen to us on all of these different audio platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes podcast, Stitcher, CastBox, CastRex. That's a weird word. Uh, I got on that one because they submitted me to Spotify, and then Spotify submitted a uh, Listen FM. Um, I think Listen Notes is another one I just noticed we're on. We're on about 10 different platforms for audio, and our, uh, we have our text and everything drafted up and have uh, been approved uh, to do a Wikipedia page for the podcast. So we're not going to do a website right now. And check that out. Um, I will be getting podcasts from this week uploaded. We did a lot MMA unravel with Cora talked about her recent fight. Really? Uh, yeah, just yesterday That's we did. Talk, did you talk about the, uh, the weight cut thing? After the two hours being late? We did not. <laughs> we avoided that. Cause, uh, yeah, the two hour late thing? yeah, yeah like, no, I avoided no it. We just kind of, we're going to make this appointment. Well, um, yeah. And that has been, uh, we didn't really get on that or the illegal upkick. So, but uh you know yeah dude i was losing it uh, man like i can't even watch that happen to her i can't see it Bro, when i saw it, I saw it yesterday day, and i was just like like oh man see we were sitting behind her um not i'm sorry we were sitting as the camera shoots behind yeah, like dude. farther behind that and so we saw directly behind her basically and it looked like she took the kick and the crowd went uh, and then she completely laid back against the cage with her hands up and took her time. And like, it looked like she tried to stand up and couldn't compose herself. But after the fight, she was like, yeah, no, I was cool. And the well, was telling me not to move. I was, I was worried totally that exposed. she, I was watching her all night and she didn't demonstrate any signs of a concussion, but I was worried and still kind of am to an extent. Like if she, like, I've been like, uh, like monitoring her behavior. And she, I don't know if you saw her Facebook status, she made a status about weird dreams and stuff. And I'm like, what? You know, so I was like quizzing her on all this stuff. And I'm like, how long has this been going on? You know, because uh, that's the thing. It's like, dude, brain damage is uh, a very real part of all contact sports. And we'll talk about that on a later episode of Sports Unraveled. But anyway, it's uh, uh CTI is my thing, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Craniosacral therapy, the way that fluids interact, exactly what you said, the inflammation. So if we can resolve fluid flow and the body's natural healing cycle, all we do is restore the intrinsic working with the extrinsic and it works out to where you have motion capability, bro. And you get back to what we call the structural objective. And that's actually a uh, fascinating topic because our structural objective, like when you have a plumb line, you think of the middle of your ear lining up with the middle of your shoulder, middle of your hip, you know, <coughs> knee and lateral malleolus. So the eastern is hands above the head with energy flow to and from heaven. And so when, when we talk about, for instance, um, PTs and people who work with the body say that the subscap is weak when someone's rotator cuff is locked up. And that's not true. The subscap is actually so strong it's spasmed. It's spasmed all the way to where it's not working at all. And so to regain mobility, all you have to do is allow that fiber and release and the fluid flow. And then once you release that, the pec, all the supporting like lat tendon and bicep. Dude, that's what I need worked on today, dog. Like it's his shoulder. I don't, I don't know if I told you what's going on, but my, I hurt my bicep somehow doing kettlebells. I can do like that right there. Yeah, that's max. Is, 
that well it is but like it feels good but then it like like i'll catch like right there yeah any any point that we have that catch in it, it it'll go for but it. you have you've you've locked my shoulder up in like an americana type position yeah. and worked it out that's the subscap stretch baby that's yeah it, i would just say to everybody and i i feel the same way about chiropractic care i think there are some charlatans out there i think there are some uh people who are like yeah you gotta get you on these 14 uh, therapy sessions or, or, you know, pay me this much money and I'll fix you. You need this many appointments. And man, my chiropractor don't, does not work that way at all. Nope. He's like, um, super like, Hey, if you need, if this, you know, if you need to come back and see me, come back and see me. He'll see you without an appointment stays booked out all day, every day. And I always leave there with less pain. And I would suggest that people uh, get a massage therapist like yourself that, I mean, I've had some massages before, but you've been working on me consistently for like, what, t over two years now. Yep. And it's more like a, like, dude, I mean, like exact. And I hate that. I not like, um, I'm glad you're here and we get to do this podcast and hang out. But, and I almost like feel bad, but dude, I was like, when I text you, like I was sweating this shoulder. Because I knew that I was going to be getting promoted to bite belt and I didn't know if they're going to want me to teach a lot or any, or if, um, I was going to train in all the seminars or like, I just a couple of days before that, I couldn't even like lift my arm up. It was like, dude, it was exactly the same thing. When we watched a Mayweather fight, same arm. You remember that? Remember how I was just like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's limp. It's dead. same thing today, but it's like, it's this, it's like up in the top here, back in this lat and then like. Dude, down into my pet a video of explaining the actual kinesiology of hey oh dude when we release all of this all basically we should do it for our youtube our channel for the gym let's do it uh, just kind of yeah keeping your keeping your mind something like that because remember when derek made the little seminar video we yeah. should do something like that like a um think of like even a small little series of like uh, bjj stretching tips or something like that or like because man i'm telling you right now uh, if you train martial arts or, uh, or anything like that, or you do a movement, CrossFit, weightlifting, you better be seeing a massage therapist. You better be taking, uh, control of managing. I mean, it's just wear and tear. It's just like my building. I got to keep it up, you know? So like we talked about, you know, massage advertising is the stuff of Jerry Springer commercials. You know, it, it's the commercials of, of daytime TV that it's like, damn, you are in a depressed reality right now. And this is what you're about to work towards. So, um, you know, we, we have a real stereotype and that we talked about the sex uh, slave trade. But when when you look at where modern massage is in our society, if we would restore massage into our everyday routine where, you know, it was available at every office and people were going through, it would alleviate our, uh, well, let me say this, it would make us more comfortable with touch. And casual touch being more, like, prevalent in society, it, it's also a uh, litmus test, you know, who, who, can, who can interact with people on that level, you know? And there, you, you can take that to any extreme, but it would also be preventative. It builds consciousness. It builds awareness of your body. Like I remember until I was in massage school and I was 27, I didn't even know I had legs. I used to be a long distance runner. I used to beat the crap out of them squatting, something that we never talked about. But dude, I did pro hormones when they were legal back in the mid 2000s. Tri stack. Damn. Yeah, I got some response. I was 200 pounds and looked beautiful. You got up to 200 pounds? 200 pounds. Holy shit. How much do you weigh right now? Probably like 160, 65. You are tall though. Yeah. I could see I you putting it on. 
it on. Dude, it was awesome, mid twenties. But then later, I did bad steroids that were off the market and online, and I injected them. It's the only time I've ever injected anything, and I freaking got. Dude, the amount of people I meet that do steroids is insane. Like, I don't think anybody in the gym does, but I wouldn't be surprised if I had some people doing tests in the gym. But I had a couple of people in the past that were doing it, and I, I didn't really like that they were doing it because it was the only thing that gave them an edge. It was all physical and no technical, you know. But I get why people do it for um, recovery reasons and, you know, like TRT, like older guys want to do that. But it's just like they're just trying to stay relevant longer. Like when people are doing it for selfish reasons and that selfish reason can damage someone's brain, maybe maybe it's an ethical issue. But for like weightlifting and stuff, that's what, um, you know, you run into a lot of people that are just doing it to – I mean, you do things like trash your shoulders out. And, I mean, just lifting weights. Like Dream talking to me about just like over the years, like his – his elbows and his shoulders and, and just like how many dude he said he did like 37 pull-ups the other day i was like dude i've never done 37 pull-ups in my life Maybe dude, if i was waving and in my best shape ever he's 56 yeah you know what i'm saying 56 and that's his pr well bro we're gonna go out one way or another yeah danny drink's gonna go out in a full center split like wrist yeah, locking like the shit out of somebody things, like with both feet He's going to have stacks of wood. Did you oh, did you hear what Nathan Kirby said about Danny Dring? No. He, on that on Corey's fight video, he's like, uh, he's talking, he's like, oh. Danny Dring in the cage has uh, 700 black belts, or he's been training for 700 years, has 14,000 black belts from 700 instructors or something like yeah. that. <laughs> but, uh, dude, I mean, I don't know. I personally don't know anyone personally that has been in the martial arts longer than Danny Dring. I mean, he's a true resource and wealth of knowledge. Um, so there are some YouTube videos out there of him uh, teaching a variety of uh, things that he specializes in. He's a, uh, been doing Taekwondo forever. I think he's uh, about to get it, probably get his ninth degree. I think he's an eighth degree now. He's a, uh, I believe an eighth degree in uh, Bill Wallace's Bill uh, Wallace, Superfoot Super Systems. Good. Man, that Dude, was Black such Bill a great Magazine. seminar. Yeah. Dude, I love I love Bill Wallace. I was just telling during the other day that's one of the best kickboxing seminars I've ever been to. I mean, it, we even did legit boxing to set up kicks. Like I was a fan of it. It's a subset that American style kickboxing. I think people should should look into more. But uh, right on, doggy. Let's uh, let's we shut it. Off on another rant. Yeah. Before we do, let's go ahead and shut it down before we start getting too controversial. Let's argue sometime. Yeah. Peace, bro. All right, bro, bro.